people do need to step into therapy or another healing zone mm-hmm. for this kind of experience because your body has to re-experience safety in those situations. Yeah. In the same way that your body holds memory for trauma, it also holds memory for healing. Yeah. Hi, I'm Carrie Korn, a brand new therapist. And I'm Susan Goss, a seasoned therapist. Susan has been my mentor for years, and we love talking about therapy, faith, and relationships. So join us as we share some tangible truths with you. So welcome back to another episode of Tangible Truth Podcast. I'm Carrie, hanging out with Susan. Hello. And last week we had a conversation with one of our colleagues, Brooke Smith. And after we finished recording, we kept talking in Susan's office. And then I was like, we should record this. Definitely. So Brooke is joining us again this Hello. week. <laughs> because we couldn't let her go. Yes. And because uh, Brooke kind of has, has an expertise. You know what it's on? What's that? PTSD. Now, listen, most therapists don't go into life saying, I want to work with severe trauma. That's right. Right? But but Brooke does. Yes. And PTSD is a lot more common than anyone knows about. That's why we said, let's do it, because there are more listeners than not that will have PTSD after they have heard what Brooke has to say. Well, I was reading a statistic that said 70% of us will experience at least one traumatic event in our lives. And both of you said... Oh, that's not true. It's 100%. It's 100%. So we have been talking about anxiety and anxiety is a huge part of PTSD. But let's just start with what is because PTSD is post traumatic stress disorder. So a trauma precipitates PTSD. How do we define trauma? I would define trauma as any significant event that causes a shift inside of you that reorients you around an experience. Yeah. So the next time I see somebody who is familiar to that traumatic event, or I have a smell that reminds me of that event, my body feels the stress of that event all over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so a lot of times we think, okay, I went to war and I have PTSD. Um, I survived a house fire or a car accident. These are things that can be trauma. Yeah. But. And they were unexpected. Unexpected. A lot of unexpected events. Right. Car accident, like you said. Violence, you know, sexual assault, any of those kinds of things. But there can also be trauma that isn't a one-time occurrence. It's little things over a period of time. Childhood Mm -hmm. neglect. Mm -hmm. Um, Emotional abuse is a huge one. Those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. So talk a little bit about like that category and how maybe people who've experienced that, it doesn't always feel like a trauma. Because it's normal to them. It's their norm. Yeah. Right. So we can have trauma that happens over time Mm -hmm. and it happens in all these little ways, right? Like you were saying. And one of those ways can be when I have like a passive aggressive parent Mm -hmm. who would yell at me one moment and then the next one to like hug me Mm. and love on me. And I would just never know which parent that I'm getting. Yeah. And so I would have this anxiety in my body Mm -hmm. that would maybe it would make me freeze or run away because I just don't know how to interact with this parent, Mm -hmm. even when they're loving me. Right. Because all I can recall is how they just yelled at me. Yeah. Yeah. 
or it can be the neglectful parent. Mm-hmm. To me, this is one of the hardest mm-hmm. places to heal and understand because it's not a direct attack on you, mm-hmm. but it is a place where you had a need to be loved or cared for and nobody ever showed up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in that place, you usually will look at your parent and think that they were doing a great job because they didn't do anything necessarily wrong. Yeah. Right. And they didn't. But maybe they just didn't know how to come towards me or how to help me. Yeah. And in that place now as an adult, I have no idea how to go to somebody or ask for help whenever I need mm-hmm. it. And so whenever I'm in need and I feel stress, that builds into this anxiety that just takes me over. And I don't know how to talk about it because nobody has ever given me words mm-hmm. or helped reflect that how I feel is okay. And so I just feel terrible about feeling this anxiety because I start to tell myself nothing's really wrong. Yeah. Like, why mm-hmm. am I so anxious? Yeah. Right. And so whenever we hold down our anxiety, we try and tell ourselves that it's okay. It only gets bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so true. And I think that it's really easy for someone to say, you know, I was robbed at knife point Mm. and I'm having a hard time getting over that. Well, of course, of course Mm. you are. Yes. It's completely different to say, I'm not really sure why I'm struggling so much. My parents were good. Mm -hmm. There was always food on the table. I never was hit. Yet I still always feel this sense of anxiety. And so it kind of takes a little bit more effort to kind of dig in and find the root of that sometimes. Yes. And we can talk about it in ways like it's a really popular term right now, but we call it spiritual abuse. Mm -hmm. And by all means, I don't think that anybody ever intended for this to be abusive or that it was done maliciously, but just from a poor understanding sometimes. But whenever we hear things like, hey, you're not supposed to be anxious. Mm. God says, don't be anxious. Mm -hmm. We take that in and we feel shame over our anxiety. So we try and stuff it down. Yeah. But when we stuff down that anxiety, what happens? It just gets bigger. It just gets bigger. And then we we feel more shame and we feel not good enough. Mm -hmm. And we feel we go down that trail Mm -hmm. once we start shaming ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then what do you do when you feel that shame? Mm -hmm. We hide. Mm -hmm. So I have no ability to go to the Lord and say, I'm feeling anxious Mm -hmm. because I'm telling myself in my head, all he's going to tell me is to quit being anxious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, that takes us back to this place of being isolated, which we talked about last week of one of the best things that we can do when we're fighting anxiety is to invite a safe person into that space with us. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just thinking of, it makes me mad, you know, Mm -hmm. when I think about this of like, the one thing that we need is to connect with people. And yet, this is just wiggling its fingers in, in a way that's like, don't connect with people, don't connect with people. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly what we need. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because to unpack the lies... Like in the last episode, Brooke gave a, a great example. This is the lie that's going on inside my head, mm-hmm. you know, and then unpacking that with a safe person. Yeah. You know, there may be multiple mm-hmm. lies, not just one lie. Yeah. So this lie led to this lie led to this because once a narrative gets starts in our head. Yeah. You know, the research, you've read the research mm-hmm. that says Our brain has to finish a story. That can be very, very dangerous for us when our brain has to finish a story because 
we can finish a story whether it's true or not. Right. So if we're finishing a story, Carrie, if it's not true mm-hmm. and we're acting on a not true story, mm-hmm. that can be extraordinarily dangerous to our relationships and to us. Yeah. So we've got to we've got to really address the the lies that can end up in a trauma. Yeah. For us, because I one hundred percent We've all got, we've all experienced PTSD. Sure. Whether we've identified it or not. There's the issue. Mm -hmm. We've not identified Mm -hmm. PTSD. So when you're talking about we have to finish this story, one thing that I think of is when traumatic things happen to us. Mm -hmm. One question that almost everybody, everybody that I've ever known, the question gets asked of why did this happen to me? Yes. And if we can't if we don't have logical reasoning for that, we will make up a story as to why that happened to me. Why was I sexually assaulted? Why did I get in a car accident and lose my best friend? Well, it must be because I'm a bad person, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Uh, what you're talking about is so important when we, when we do encounter traumatic events, like we all do at some point in our life. But you look around at people and you think, how come she had a car accident and I did too, but she's handling it so much better than me. Mm, Comparison again. Comparison again. But our experience of the car accident could be very different. Mm -hmm. And whether that came from family of origin stuff, previous events, or in that same situation, that right after the accident, I had somebody who came around and helped me and loved me and checked on me. And said, it's not your fault. You had no idea that the deer was going to pop out in front of Mm -hmm. you. As opposed to the other person who, right after the accident, had somebody go, why weren't you watching out better? Mm. Why were you not being a better driver? Mm -hmm. How could you have done this to your best friend? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so often what really matters is what happens to us right after the traumatic event. Mm. It does inform us of the rest of the story mm-hmm. as it to does. why it happened. It does. And whether in your case, mm-hmm. you said like a sexual abuse, if right after the event, just less, as Brooke said, if you're believed. Right. Versus if the other person was not believed. Yeah. No, it was your fault. Yeah. There's actually versus, research that yes. has been done that has said how people respond mm-hmm. to you telling them I was sexually assaulted yes. is more traumatic than the sexual assault itself. So, for example, a teenager gets sexually assaulted, goes to their mother and says, I was sexually assaulted. And mom says, well, why did you let that happen to you? What were you wearing? Right. What, and so that teenager you is go going at, to be yeah. in therapy over what mom the said to life, them, for the not over their... what happened to them. Exactly. Uh, 100%. I've read the same research. Yeah. That it, yes. Versus the teenager that was sexually assaulted goes to mom and mom's response is, oh, baby. Right. I'm here for you. I'm so sorry. Come here. Come let me wrap my arms around you and hold you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 100%. She will heal. That teenager will heal. Yeah. Yes. All I'm with hearing with this, with what you're talking about with the car accident and this is, it is so vitally important. The words that we say to people who are walking through crisis. Yes. 100%. Because as humans, we will not avoid crisis in this life. We will not avoid traumatic events. What is so important is what happens to us right after the event that informs us about how we have to function in life after this thing. Mm. 
And I'm just thinking there's always time to have a conversation about were you paying attention when you were driving? But it's not the first conversation that happens right after the wreck, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. We're processing at that point. And maybe the question is, what happened? You know, and we let that person go through what they're remembering and what they're processing about the traumatic event. But we don't tell them this was all your fault or whatever. If it was their fault, mm-hmm. right? The pain that they're experiencing in that moment from the trauma does not need to be heaped upon with shame, Mm. right? But maybe it is even a voice of compassion and grace that says, I love you anyways, even though you messed up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Because whenever our shame grows and it says, I did such a horrible thing, I can't believe that I was texting while driving. And Mm. as a result, my friend died. Yeah. That people look at that person and go, yeah, I cannot believe you did that shame on you. Whenever we all do it every single day. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But rather it is, you know, we all learned a horrible lesson there. I am so sorry this happened to you. Right. Of all people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's just so much grace and compassion there Mm -hmm. that it, it kind of, I, the way I see it is it's like, you're sending a light into that person that pushes that darkness away. Mm-hmm. Like there's no room for darkness here when you're being loved like that. Yeah. Cause it's hard enough. My goodness. Life is hard enough mm-hmm. without us heaping shame on each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how does this play out in our lives? Like when you have clients come in, if we are all going to experience a traumatic event in our life and when we, before we hit record today, Susan's like, I've got 10 that I can name right offhand. And so yeah. we all have those. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you guys, but in my family of origin, the message was build a bridge and get over it. Yeah. Like move on. Don't cry over spilt milk. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps and keep going. Look at you. You're fine. Right. Mm-hmm. You survived. You're fine. That's why. Right. That's my family. Right. right? Yeah. And so how does this play out when we've all had these experiences and they're affecting us, but we're kind of walking around in a state of denial? So whenever we look at these bigger traumatic events, and I'll go ahead and tell one of my stories. Back in 2009, I was in a really serious car accident with my best friend. We were med flighted out. It was, it was horrible. And after that, I had a period of time where I didn't drive. And then whenever I got back in the car and I started driving again, if the person in front of me would break and their red lights, taillights would come on, I would feel this like lightning tingling thing shoot through my arms Mm. and my body would just like, (gasps) and freeze. And I would get so tense. I went to a therapist and I was like, I have to work because I can't go through life without driving. Mm -hmm, (laughs) But mm -hmm. this is literally painful for me to drive physically painful. And yet I can tell myself, look at me. I'm fine. I'm driving safely. It's just the person in front of me breaking. Not a big deal. Mm -hmm. And one of that logic wasn't working. That logic wasn't working. Yeah. What was happening was my body was re-experiencing trauma all over again. Mm -hmm. And we can go through and I can give you steps on how to help your body through those things. But in reality, I I just want to go ahead and say that people do need to step into therapy or another healing zone Mm -hmm. for this kind of experience, because your body has to re-experience safety in those situations. 
In the same way that your body holds memory for trauma, it also holds memory for healing. Yeah. So my healing experience was going to a therapist who helped me talk to my body in a way that I was able to say, hey, look at this right now. That that lightning that just shot through my hands, it is just telling me, don't let this terrible thing happen again. Mm-hmm. And it is just trying to keep me safe. Mm -hmm. So I had to start telling my body, thank you for trying to keep me safe. I hear you. Mm. Instead of being like, quit, because that is exactly what I would tell my body whenever that would happen. Because it would make me so mad because it hurt so much. It would shock me. Yeah. And so I had to start instead giving my body compassion and saying, thank you for trying to keep me safe to make sure this terrible thing never happens again. Mm -hmm. And whenever I started to do that over time, it started to get softer and softer and Mm -hmm. softer to where now I can drive and I rarely re-experience that lightning feeling. It's kind of, it's, it's counterintuitive, right? Mm -hmm. Society tells us, get over it. We tell ourselves, push against it, fight against it, deny that it ever happened to you. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is instead of pretending like you're okay or pushing through to actually turn towards the pain and acknowledge it. Yes. And allow yourself to feel it. Yes. We have to ask our body, how does this make sense? Mm. What you're trying to do for me right Mm -hmm. now. And for so many war veterans Mm. who come back um, to civilian life, it's one of the hardest things to do because they come back to their family and their family's going, Why are you freaking out in our home? Our home is a safe place. You've always known it as a safe place. But their body has repeated experience in training and while they've been deployed. And everything that their body has learned to do is how to stay safe. Mm. And so when they come back and they have to sit in the corner of the room facing the door, Mm -hmm. it is not because something is wrong with them, but because You have been trained to stay safe and keep everybody else around you safe. And that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And just because you went from one country into back into this one, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden life is different. You've taken in enough experiences that says you have to be sure that you're safe all the time. And if I can start to talk to that person and say, it's okay that you need to sit in the corner of the room and Mm -hmm. watch the door. Not a problem. Yeah. But if I say, no, sit over here with your back to the door and with a crowd around you and loud noises and I'm overstimulating you. Yeah. Then that person is going to feel even more unsafe. Mm-hmm. But if I give them permission mm-hmm. to stay safe in their heart and their mind, then their anxiety will lower and they'll be able to function and they'll be able to look around and assess and say, Hey, I am okay in here. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Again, it goes back to something that we've been talking about these last few weeks when we've been talking about anxiety being good sometimes is that we really are fearfully and wonderfully made, Mm -hmm. you know, what you said about Mm -hmm. your car accident and the way your body responded afterwards you even said my body was saying, I don't ever want us to experience that again. Mm-hmm. Like how creative and brilliant and smart is your body to try to protect you that way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or for someone to say, I need to sit in the corner and watch the door because I want to keep myself and my family safe. How brilliant and smart mm-hmm. that we have these coping mechanisms to keep us safe. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think the the world tells us to push against those things instead of leaning into them. Mm-hmm. 
Because you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to act like this. Right. You're, mm-hmm. And not so. Yeah, not so. Yeah. In fact, so. that is exactly how God designed our bodies. Right. Because he said, I have the appointed time of your birth and your death. Mm-hmm. And God has given your body permission. And he has said, she is to stay alive from here to here. Keep her alive. Mm-hmm. And so that is what our body does. It obeys the Lord in that way. And it takes in the information and it learns from it in order to keep us alive. Mm-hmm. 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 So this is a little bit heavier than what we've been talking about the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we, we opened this series with everybody has anxiety right. on a daily basis. Yet what we're talking today is probably one of the most severe forms of anxiety. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if we can kind of close with you two, maybe addressing something that I'm curious about. There may be somebody listening. Who's like, but I've carried this for so long. And I don't think I'm ever going to get better. I've tried and it just feels hopeless. What was done to me can never be healed. Like I'm always going to be broken. And maybe it's something they've carried 20, 30, 40, 50 years mm-hmm. of I'm never going to be okay ever again. What would you say to them? Whenever I look at that person who something was done to them or they were the doing right um i think of two things one is we can never erase what happened and there is grief in that Mm -hmm. and god has also given us permission to grieve those things and so our body it will remain in us to try to keep us safe to keep the bad thing from not to keep it from happening ever again. Mm-hmm. But also God is also a God who heals. And he doesn't promise that I'm going to take that cut, that slash in your flesh and I'm going to completely heal it where you can't even know that it was ever there. That's not necessarily healing. It is healing, mm-hmm. but it's not the only form. Right. Mm-hmm. Healing is also a cleaning out mm. and a sewing back together and a rebandaging over and over again to where it's a scar and it is a remembrance. Right. I went through this, mm-hmm. but the healing happens when I can look at that thing, that scar, and I can say it's getting better. Mm. It doesn't hurt the same as it did back there. Yeah. So to the girl who was assaulted And she was shamed for it and blamed for it. We can go back into that story, into where those lies were spoken over her. And we can go into what is actually true and hand her the healing experience Mm -hmm. of that. What should have happened to her after the Mm -hmm. event. And let that take root in her body. Yeah. And I'm going to add that trauma depending on who is sitting on the sofa Mm -hmm. and what that trauma is, no matter what or how many years ago it is, there is such, now this is going to sound counterintuitive to the listener, Mm -hmm. but there can be such beauty. It's going to be hard for me to say this without crying, but there can be such beauty and growth from pain. Over and over again, we mm-hmm. see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, beauty and pain in our own stories. Mm-hmm. You know this to be true. And um, 
There is a scripture in Psalm, Psalm 51, 10, that says, create in me a clean heart. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain translation that I love. It's called the Passion Mm -hmm. Translation. And that the footnote in that, their translation says that create is keep Mm. creating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. An ongoing. Ongoing. Yeah. Creating. And it's my all-time favorite translation of that verse because that's what we're all about. And that is what a story, anyone's story, a story is so powerful. Mm-hmm. And um, and this has become a cliche, but to me, it's never a cliche to say that God, with God, nothing is ever wasted. Right. Nothing. Right. So with that being said, there is always hope, no matter how long it's been, how, and long, how severe the trauma was. No, with God, it doesn't matter because with him, time doesn't matter. Yeah. So if this happened, whatever it was, it would be 50 mm-hmm. years ago in mm-hmm. your life. No time with God. Yeah. Time is nothing to him. And what I'm also hearing you say is it's worth the pain. Worth. To sit with the memory. Yes. And to actually work through it. Yes. Because what comes out of pain is Unbelievable! Mm-hmm. What comes out of pain? Yeah, look at our diamond rings. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I mean, if I look at my diamond, what has that diamond been through to get to the sparkle? Yeah, a whole lot mm-hmm. is what it's been through, and just uh, I'm just looking at that. But so much comes through pain. Yeah, that that hurts going mm-hmm. through it. But there's so many levels of trauma mm-hmm. that that we didn't even touch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we talked about personal trauma. People go through trauma vicariously. Yes. Uh, also. That and corporately, corporately and societally. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So trauma has a lot of different levels that cause PTSD. Yeah. You can watch somebody suffer. You know, we talked about that with my own mom that caused you trauma. But. Trauma is a is a big deal, and I so appreciate um, us talking about it. So yeah. thank you, Brooke, mm-hmm. for for coming back again. It was an important topic. To it talk is. About. It is because I think it's hard for us to talk about those really dark places mm-hmm. in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's becoming more socially acceptable to talk about. Oh yeah, everybody has anxiety, but it's the normal everyday anxiety. Sometimes some of these things that have happened to us, they feel so ugly and so dark that it feels scary to bring it to the light and share it with someone else. Mm -hmm. So I think having this conversation day is hopefully the beginning of a conversation for someone else to be able to do that. And and if someone has never been to therapy and has a trauma that they really need to talk to somebody professionally, Mm -hmm. we highly encourage them to do so. So um, I'm wondering if we can close with um, a verse from Isaiah that I was thinking about when you were talking, Susan. Um, This is a passage that God led me to when um, my husband left Mm. me with four young children. Mm. And I was like, I'm not going to make it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is like deepest, darkest pit of despair that I had been in. But there's a verse in Isaiah 45, verse 3, that says, I will give you the treasures of darkness. Mm -hmm. That darkness itself is a treasure. 
And I went back to that over and over and over again, that there is beauty. There is wealth. There is treasure in dark places. Mm. And, and the other thing is, it goes on to say, I will give you treasures of darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. Wow. That no matter how dark the cave is, Mm -hmm. no matter how scary it is, the God of Israel who knows my name is there with me. Mm -hmm. And so it's okay for me to revisit those dark places Mm because I don't go by myself. Mm. Yeah. Right. I get to know him in an intimate way. I never would have known him before Mm -hmm. if I had not experienced the darkness. Yep. That's perfect. All right. So a bit of a heavier subject this week, but I'm so glad we tackled it. Brooke, thank you for being willing to have hard conversations with us and with your clients. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay, guys, we will see y'all next week. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Tangible Truth Podcast, part of the KLRC Podcast Network.